Hey, welcome to episode 72 of the Thodcast, Conversations About Animation. I'm your host, Philip Elke, and I'm recording from northern Minnesota, joined today by Jody Pulaski. Hey, Jody, how's it going? It's going well. It's warming up. Spring is on the horizon, and this change of weather is inspiring for the movie we're talking about today, so I'm super excited. Yes, it's not quite the Ides of February as we record, uh, but up here in Minnesota, we're experiencing some of the coldest part of the season <laughs> thus far, but hey, we uh, got to get this kind of thing out of the way so that we can feel comfortable heading into uh, some warmer weather and not feel like we've been too cheated or that the world is, uh, is melting too much. <laughs> uh, stopping the world to melt with you, eh? <laughs> Just like mm-hmm. the song. Um, yeah, yeah, you're coming to us from Georgia, so it's probably pretty nice where you're at. Yeah, it's super good. And usually like when we talk about the weather, I'm like, whatever, we're just leading in the audience with our weather chat. But today it makes sense because we're talking about a movie that actually centers around rain and sleet and snow and sun and weather all around. Uh, It's a perfect topic for a Thodcast episode, Weathering With You, the uh, animated film from 2019 written and directed by Makoto Shinkai, released in Japan July 2019, uh, and then eventually made its way over into the United States. I saw it last um, winter, I think it was January or February. It was released, I believe, January 2020 in the US, uh, but is it has become uh, one of my favorite movies, I would say, of all time. <laughs> it happens to do with weather, uh, we brought up on last episode where my brother and I discussed this director's previous film, Your Name, a sort of a Valentine's Day romance theme. <laughs> um, and uh, we brought up the fact that in this film, Weathering With You, there's a character who can sort of uh, spiritually communicate with the weather and that I have a particular affinity for that sort of power, I guess, when it belongs to a fictional character. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I look forward to exploring that and uh, seeing what you thought of weathering with you. Jody, uh, what, what did you think of this film? Yeah, I mean, to make it short and sweet, I really enjoyed it. I will say like hopping into it, I thought this was a Ghibli film. I don't have a lot of experience with anime or manga or that, I guess, art form. So most of the movies I have seen like Spirited Away have been from the Ghibli uh, studio. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I was excited to hear about this one when you introduced it to the group of us. And I thought it was really, really good. I the older I get, the more I like this animation style. I feel like when I was younger, I thought it was a little bit like unrelatable to me because I mean, oftentimes the characters and the expressions and the locations are just really different than American animation movies. But I, as an almost 30 year old, (laughs) thought Mm. this was really engaging, really intriguing. The plot, the music, the animation, everything worked really well for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, it's really a surreal film, I found. I had not seen Your Name, but I had heard good things. 
going into seeing this in theaters. Um, I saw it in a, in a movie theater out in LA. Um, and it was in the original Japanese subtitled. Um, really loved it. And yeah, it was one of the last movies I saw in theaters before everything kind of shut down. Um, I, uh, I was very impressed. It reminds me definitely of, you know, the Hayao Miyazaki style. Um, Shinkai has been called the new Miyazaki in several reviews. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, we, we'll talk more about, uh, say, the, the films of Studio Ghibli, which most people have at least some sort of casual familiarity. And uh, this now is something I highly recommend. Um, your name, of course, uh, having a, a romantic bent to it, uh, released in 2016 and now Weathering With You, um, which I, I first saw last year. Um, also very similar thematically as well as a strong romantic component, which I really um, you know, got on board with. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, you, did you see your name, Jody? I didn't. You know, like I said, I haven't seen a lot of anime style movies in general. But yeah, I hadn't seen that one yet. But I did see that you and Dawson put out an episode last week about it. And I started listening to that. So I am putting it on my to watch list. Um, but I do want to throw out for the listeners there, like, because I'm a little bit less... Uh, accustomed to these movies I may mispronounce some names and some cities as we go through this episode so like I'm just apologizing in advance like it's a new uh uh what would you call it like genre of yeah. animation for me so just bear with me as we kind of go through this podcast together today yeah we're getting into some Japanese animation lately on the show um yes forgive me if, if uh, you had already mentioned if you had not seen your name I'm just trying to uh, keep the episode on track. Um, I, I made a series of corrections <laughs> at the start of last week's show because um, I'm kind of a bit obsessive about fact checking. But um, I, I neglected to mention <laughs> something that came up during our previous episode together, Jody, uh, Spies in Disguise. Okay. <laughs> it was like um, something having to do with the Disney live action or not live action, uh, Disney animated film Bolt. And the, the pigeons in that film, I described as um, being like based on the Goodfellas. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you, did you see Bolt? I did see Bolt yeah. once in theaters. I was like in seventh grade with Miley Cyrus's voice or something. That's right. John Travolta. Yeah. Yeah, He's been buzzing lately with the Super Bowl, um, the and of course Disney animation highly relevant. Now we've got uh, well, stay tuned. I guess um, Raya on the horizon. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like uh, I was conflating the pigeon characters from Bolt with another animated property, the Animaniacs. Where, uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, good feathers flock together. Slappy wax them with her purse. <laughs> I didn't remember that rhyme, but as soon as you said it, I probably could have, have finished it for you. Yeah, um, there, there are some quirky pigeon characters in Bolt, but they're not gangsters so much as they're just kind of like weird. Um, one of them tries to pitch Bolt on like a movie concept. <laughs> um, 
they're just eccentric and then yeah the the animaniacs of course from the 90s has these good feathers who are pigeons who act like you know, new york mobsters <laughs> um so fun time I mean, pigeons aren't like an area of expertise so i think that's probably not a a crazy mistake you had there philip no exactly um obsessive uh, error correction out of the way uh let's get into some withering with you um i i was very biased towards this film because of my love of frozen and disney animation uh, hence the thawed cast um, it's been insanely cold here in Minnesota, so I'm trying to shake off the winter blues. And um, it's been nice having some just really solid movies to, to boost my spirits. And uh, I mean, as much as I liked Spies in Disguise, um, I, I really, you know, had a fun time digging back into some 2D animation, which I know, Jody, you really wanted to do. Um, you, uh, you said you've seen some Miyazaki um, when I started this movie back up, um, I, you know, one of the first things you see is this girl who's accompanying her mother who's sick in a hospital. And it really just brought me right back to uh, my, uh, <laughs> my neighbor, Totoro, which has similar subject matter, um, which I actually just rewatched uh, prior to watching Weathering With You as well. Uh, have you seen My Never Totoro? Yeah, that's one of my other favorites. I think of all those, Spirited Away is my favorite favorite, but I love that one as well. Yeah. Did, um, did you recall the plot of the mother in My Neighbor Totoro? Yeah, I mean, I guess I didn't see that run throughout this one, but I can see how the opening is kind of a similar line there. So yeah, I, I didn't think about that now until you're mentioning it to me. Um, to be fair, I've only seen Weathering With You once. Uh, but but yeah, I can, I can see how that could kind of draw a comparison with the past. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, this movie hasn't, I guess, garnered quite the level of like mainstream buzz that, that your name did. Uh, for whatever reason, I have to prefer this film uh, on the list of highest grossing films in Japan. This is just the Japanese gross of this particular list of films. Um, Your Name is number five, and then Weathering With You is number 13. This movie made uh, 14.19 billion yen Whoa. box office. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, how much is that in American dollars? Do you know what that uh, is, USD? Okay, I, I have the worldwide Putting you total. on the spot here, huh? No, it's okay. <laughs> um, the worldwide total for you, for weathering with you uh, ends up at $139 million and 400,000. Um, I don't, I, I think uh, your name was over 300 million worldwide. Wow. Um, They're really and, harnessing that sun girl energy into these movies because that's, mm -hmm. that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. The, this uh, only made close to 8 million in the US and Canada. Um, your name, I think, did something similar. But uh, it, that's not super relevant, especially, you know, we had COVID last year. Um, but I think critically as well, your name just had um, a bit more glowing reception. There, there maybe have been some 
criticisms of weathering with you that were a little more pronounced um, when when the reviews came out. I haven't actually dug into any reviews. I just I really connect with this movie on a visceral level um, more so than your name. You know, as of this point in time, uh, I don't see that necessarily changing. Um, but yeah, this is one that I was just totally vibing on the whole way through, even while I was taking notes. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I guess I have a fair amount to say on it, but I'm not going to labor on it too much. Yeah, it, it really strikes me in all the facets of its narrative. Uh, Jody, did, did you see, you, you said something about some of the reviews saying that there were criticisms related to Yeah, so after I watch things, if I know I'm going to hop on with you afterward, I try to just kind of gauge what everyone else thought of it because I'm not always the most critical observer. A lot of times I watch a movie as almost like a blank slate and I just sort of soak in what I see and I'm not necessarily catching everything. So I hopped on to Rotten Tomatoes just to kind of see what they were saying. And a lot of glowing reviews, I think it was like 90% fresh, but there were a few people that were saying that some of the plot lines ended a bit unresolved. And I mean, as we go through it today, I guess we'll, we'll try to find those. As someone who's only seen it once, I thought that the movie ended very nicely. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious kind of as we dig in a little more where those plot lines might be and where those um, critics might have seen that. Yeah, I don't know. It's it maybe just a matter of like expectations being too high because, yeah, the, we should really only concentrate on the, the positive when this movie still has, you know, the 90% or so fresh rating on Run to Middle. Um, That's I was, yeah. was going to mention uh, Makoto Shinkai just celebrated his birthday February 9th. So happy birthday to uh, Mr. Shinkai. And uh, he's, let's see, 40, 48. I was born in 1973. He's, uh, he's got six feature films under his belt. Thus far, it'll be exciting to see what he does next. Yeah, I mean, he has a lot of stay-at-home time, I'm sure, right now. So there's lots of time to make another movie for us. Yeah, don't stop anytime soon. Uh, this movie, yeah, starting off with the sick mother. The uh, principal characters, uh, Hina and Horika, uh, they're... Hina's mother's sick and we find out later that she uh you know she doesn't survive <laughs> uh, so she kind of, Hina kind of has the classic Disney archetype of <laughs> character with no parents yeah I was gonna say that I was like Jesus like how like, we should honestly make a, a podcast episode like discussing movies that have both parents, because I think it'd be a very short episode. Uh, but yeah. yeah, she is like a Disney princess in that way, isn't she? In your name, um, both characters are shown to have at least one of their parents still around. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, a lot of times with these interesting stories, it's like you got to have a inciting incident. And with this, this character, Hina, She's the sunshine girl. She can, uh, she can call on the sun through her prayers. Uh, and the way she gains this power is by 
um, noticing a shrine when looking out the window of her mother's hospital room. Uh, and then just something possesses her to just immediately go down and uh, investigate this shrine that's on mm-hmm. the neighboring building's rooftop. Um, and yeah, she <laughs> somehow gets enchanted. Uh, what, what did you think of this development? Was it uh, surprising to you? Did you understand what's going on? Yeah, I definitely understood it. I can't relate to it because I'm like an entrepreneur by nature. So the instant if I found out I could control the weather, my business would have been started at age five, like I would have been running with it. So I love the sunshine girl. Like she is so pure, but also like in the same breath, strong and bold, you know, she's taking care of her younger brother after Mm -hmm. the mother passes away, but she doesn't look at this talent as a moneymaker. She looks at it as a gift. And I find that super endearing, uh, unrelatable to me because I would have been capitalizing on it. But <laughs> but I, I love the Sunshine Girl. I, I think she's great. I think she's, she possesses like so many characteristics that are, are, are relatable. And I can see why he sort of falls in love with her as the story starts. But I, I love her, if that's mm. the question. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. What do you think about uh, it, Philip? <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely relate to like the um, the other main character in this film, Hodaka, oh, who yeah. <laughs> is the one who takes on the entrepreneurial role of uh, <laughs> more or less exploiting the Sunshine Girl's power. Creates like a Craigslist. But he comes case. from a good place. Like yeah. he comes from a good place. Like sorry, I'm like hopping over you already. But what no. I what I love about him is he's not this like greedy slumlord type character either. Like he sees her gift. He, I don't know, he sees a need and he wants it to be met. And like that, that to me is like a true, true like entrepreneur. And I love him so much too, because he, I mean, to hop backwards, this, this protagonist has kind of his own heartbreaks. I don't think they ever say it in the movie, but you're kind of led to believe he's coming from like, a neglectful home, uh, an abusive home. I'm not sure. D- did you catch anything watching that multiple times, Philip? Well, yeah, there must be some kind of trauma there, but mm-hmm. he does definitely come from a rich family. Uh, they mm-hmm. live on kind of an isolated island, it sounds like. Uh, so he just was sick of this prim and proper lifestyle. Uh, and want to escape to the big city. There's a character who lives in rural Japan in your name who dreams about the big city. Uh, and she, you know, eventually makes her way there, um, you know, in her physical form, but she does manage to astrally project herself <laughs> into Tokyo. Uh, but yeah, in this film, H- Hodaka, you know, is first introduced on a boat He's essentially just making his break for the city, even though he's only 16, yet to finish his you know, secondary education. Uh, he's skipping out on school. He has a hard time you know, getting anywhere once he arrives in Tokyo because of um, the, <laughs> you know, the constraints on people who are under a certain age. Uh, but he does have an, a fortunate encounter while on the ferry um, that, that helps um, really save his ass once he gets the mainland. Uh, yeah, he lucked out. I mean, he bumps into this. You're referring to that girl who's able to give him a job and a home and food, right? I can't remember her name. <clears throat> well, uh, Natsumi is who he meets at the office. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. 
but before then he uh well there's some crazy weather going on that that's <laughs> we should start there maybe uh as yeah we'll start at the crazy weather but we'll also pause because i think hannah's gonna hop in and join us here actually oh the hey crazy weather awesome. pause all right we once again welcome a returning legend also joining from minnesota hannah how's it going hannah lee smart Hello, I'm so glad that we can finally do the podcast again, the Thodcast. <laughs> um, this is like my big escape is watching movies and talking about them to Philip and Joey oh. and our audience. <laughs> I accidentally rented this on Amazon. It was like five bucks, which is a dollar more than rentals usually cost and like i assumed that because the previous movie from the studio i watched your name you know it was only a 99 cent rental on amazon which was nice uh and that was the only place i i knew it, you know i knew of that i could get it for that either that or like google play or something had for 99 cents mm -hmm. but then yeah like weathering with you i was like okay i'll just now move over to this movie on amazon <laughs> pay the five bucks uh lo and behold it's on hbo max streaming so that's why i watched it i just stole jody's password yeah no and and or like, uh... we didn't if you're hbo max we did not do that if you're listening no it's cool because yeah and and of course everyone does that, but like uh, <laughs> I, I'm totally cool with giving my support financially to this film at the same time. So so no regrets here really, uh, but it's good to know that it is on HBO Max for anyone who wants to check it out. But yeah, we we're just sort of starting out on some of the plot to this film uh, where the, uh, one of the protagonists, Hodaka, the boy is making his way to mainland Japan. Um, and there's some interesting meteorological phenomena that are occurring in Japan. Uh, <laughs> did, were you like uh, immersed by the weather depicted in this film, Hannah? Yeah, I thought the little like water droplets were so like mesmerizing, honestly. Mm -hmm. It was a bit like mystical and I truly don't normally watch like anime types of films. I'm more of like a Disney Pixar animation girl. Yeah. So it made me want to kind of broaden my horizons because it was so pretty. And there's this scene where um, the sun kind of like goes over him yes. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Almost like it's changing like shade. And it was so interesting how um, the animators took the time to take like each little light balance. And I just thought it was very like pastel and pretty. And I loved the little, the rain droplets. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the colors and cinematography in these films is just incredible. Uh, I, I guess with these, like there's no analog process of like having to convert it to physical film or anything so i think you really pump the colors and like all the because like if, if you're designing something in photoshop that's intended for print um i guess it's different when you're like you know when it's a movie and it's going to be projected through you know a lamp and everything but like um I don't know, for some reason, these 
later films from from Japan have been just so vibrant um, and they really they do something special with like the neon color scheme um, I guess it's it's kind of 80s but then it's so like sharp 80s um, I also thought that it was like so pretty where you could pause this movie at any time which I ended up doing just randomly and like each one looked like it could be like my computer background like it <laughs> yeah. looked like yes. that as a poster no matter that's like- what I said. There's a scene where he's looking at a like sun catcher, but it's sort of made out of gems, mm-hmm. pink and blue mm-hmm. and yellow. And I thought that same thing, like this is so like mystical, the way that they like animated light hitting a gem, hitting his face. Like they did a great job when it came to things like that. I totally agree with you, Hannah. Yeah, like there's not um, a lot of opportunity for like a derpy pause. No. Uh, unless <laughs> the only times I will say is with the protagonist, I'm going to mess up his name, but when he is feeling his emotions, he's a little derpy. That's <laughs> the only time I would say is like when a, when an anime, they're feeling shy or embarrassed, like the way they animate their faces, like with the giant teardrop, or like, the sweat, like running down their face. I'm always like, geez, they really exaggerate the the shy, awkward male moments in this mm-hmm. movie. Philip, did you see that a little bit? Well, there there was yeah. even, um, <laughs> oh yeah, there, a couple of like moments where I thought they exaggerated the emotions, which they do frequently in all anime, um, less noticeably, I think with these movies. These movies have a little bit more serious tone. This one even has a PG-13 rating, I think. Uh, a little bit of violence oh. and cursing. I don't know. They say the S word occasionally, but like, um, you know, the, the cat is able to react to videos played on the computer. <laughs> you notice, of course, the cat kind of acts more anthropomorphic than a you know, cat normally would. It's animation. They can do that. Um, but the, the, also there's a moment where like that ghost costume, that mascot, um, when they're taking a photo, it blushes. I thought that was a neat little uh I think this is one of those movies where it makes you think if you were to watch this as like a child, it's what you think that your animals are doing when you're like not there. Mm-hmm. Like it gives you like the mm-hmm. Toy Story trickery. Yeah, there's uh, a lot having to do with like, you have to be there to really know what happened. A lot of shared kind of secret um, mystery between the two protagonists in this film, uh, same as in Your Name as well. Um, That's just kind of an under or an overarching theme to these films. Um, the, The way that like, the way that these characters are connected has uh, the ability to just ripple throughout the fabric of space and time um, in in some exciting ways. Um, But there's like, yes, even from the beginning with the boat, um, like this supernatural seeming moment of just this giant torrent of water that comes dumping down on the boat. Um, (laughs) And and we uh, briefly alluded to like Hodaka, he saves this character Kesuke, uh, and he gets the business card of this guy. He's kind of like this 
yeah eccentric like he he uh i don't know suggests that horika buy him a beer it's like uh he's a, he's a little he's like i'm underage <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah he's like i i uh let's see no 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 keisuke saves horika which is why horika buys him a beer mm-hmm. right okay yeah um and so he wa- he wasn't being purely altruistic <laughs> no i keisuke is a really cool dude uh, as we find out later in the film it's just that he's sort of an upstart print media owner of this tabloid essentially uh so when horika's having trouble finding a job you know he's only 16 so he's he doesn't really get anywhere once he arrives in tokyo um <laughs> But he, he does have this business card, so he's able to at least get a foothold through uh, this chance meeting while on the boat um, as a result of this like freak incident from the storm. Uh, there's also just weird incidences of like raining animals, it seems, or raining, I don't know, animal forms. It's kind of mm-hmm. funny. Um, I thought of looking up other instances of this happening uh, throughout history, the phenomenon. Yeah, I couldn't really figure out like what that was. Like yeah. when the TV reports were saying like Tokyo is plagued by these like massive rains or whatever. And like the newscasters are like, what are these like fish-like jelly-like things left behind the storm? Is it like, mm-hmm. there's no explanation that really follows this up. Does, do you see anything? That, that kind of clears up what that stuff's supposed to be. The rain is just so excessive that it seems supernatural. And so we, there are some moments throughout the film that seem to tie this extraordinary rain that Japan is getting with certain like spiritual forces that could be at work. I kind of thought it was more like... Um... It kind of, to me, seemed like it was talking more about, like, climate change and, like, the effects of that on, like, like, kind of, like, the world today and how it's so, like, interdeveloped in technology and all of these other aspects. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I Obviously, it's, like, a love story, first and foremost, but I think it does kind of touch on the climate issues at hand. Absolutely. I saw that too. Mm -hmm. What I thought was kind of interesting about that is like when they're sort of approaching this like quote unquote like climate change or these like weird weather things like they don't really know the cause of it. Mm -hmm. But I was thinking the same thing as you Hannah like is this supposed to parallel like the global fluctuation of temperatures that we're experiencing now. Philip has actually watched this multiple times, so he might know a little more if there was supposed to be something like that there. You sort of can't help but let your brain go Mm -hmm. to that area of like climate change or like fluctuation of temperatures or whatever, and just kind of that whole discussion. And I didn't know you watching it more than once. Mm -hmm. Is it ever supposed to be more than just Hina or is it, is it, you know, does that kind of make sense, that question there? Yeah, well, they, you know, climate change, of course, it plays a factor. And, you know, human, I mean, there's a very direct form of human 
interaction with the climate in the form of the sun girl, uh, sunshine girl, Hina, you know, but of course that's like a spiritual, you know, supernatural thing. Um, but yeah, like just, you know, anthropogenic, uh, climate change in general, you know, is, is naturally like a topic that you're going to invoke with this type of subject. Uh, and, uh, you know, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, unfortunately, like, <laughs> Tokyo is in a very low-lying place so if they did get this kind of rainfall like yeah they could experience just crazy I, um, they, they mentioned at the end of the movie that it used to be largely submerged as part of Edo Bay and that I guess was just reclaimed land uh, made for the use of the city of Tokyo uh, over the city's development, over the course of its development. But like a couple centuries ago, much of Tokyo was technically underwater, they do say. So it, it's perfectly plausible that it could return to, uh, you know, it, it would require a lot of crazy disasters. Um, but uh, yeah, it doesn't seem that Tokyo naturally is supposed to be on dry land <laughs> to begin with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there are lots of cases, even like ne- the Netherlands, there's reclaimed land from the sea and, th- and places like that. Um, I, I saw this interesting, I guess, incident on Wikipedia of various marine animals, including octopuses, seashells, and starfish having rained on Qingdao, Shandong province in China in 2018. Um, but the link what? didn't work. <laughs> yeah, I, I was unable to, or I, I uh, have yet to verify that. But there's just like a whole bunch of dates here on this list, which is kind of funny. Um, in Japan specifically, there, I guess, was supposedly a rain of um frogs and toads (laughs) in the ishikawa prefecture in 2009 uh reported throughout the month so i mean there's some crazy stuff that happens in the real world at least people report on it right and i do think this is a very um fantastical film like i think it you're like watching it and trying to pay attention to the plot but then you're it's just like the animation is almost like you get lost in like how pretty it is like that's what i kept getting distracted by is i honestly don't think i've seen something that is like that um make i don't know like that mesmerizing in a long time animation wise Mm -hmm. so i thought it was really interesting that way you had a quote jody the one (laughs) I know I I was gonna say like when you're talking about the rain or whatever being crazy I was gonna be like it's almost as crazy as falling in love but then I was like eh whatever I I liked how I mean to kind of go off of Hannah's thing like the subplot that I kind of appreciated the most was how people's emotions were influenced by the weather like everything like their little individual decisions that they're making like getting married or playing sports or whatever when Hina's able to use her power or her her talent to harness you know good weather 
how much that really does affect everyone. And I will say as someone who lives in Georgia, who used to live in Minnesota. Who also controls the weather. Yeah, like when I wake up in the morning and the sun is shining, I just have this burst of energy that it's just literally parallel to the outside world, the, the nature. And in Minnesota, there's so many months where you don't get that natural high that I really did see that subplot was really strong to me that how your emotion is tied in to the weather. Crazy. Yeah. Um, thank goodness. I, I mean, I, I, I really find uh, Hodaka's character compelling because like he does come from a place where he's not very you know happy with where his life is going. Uh, and so like he's he's kind of on his back feet the whole time. And like his first ray of sunshine literally, well, not literally, but figuratively comes in the form of, uh, you know, Hina uh, giving him uh, a Big Mac at McDonald's. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Yeah, that was kind of weird. I'm like an idiot, but I sometimes forget that like McDonald's is a global corporation and that like you can have McDonald's in Tokyo. And that's so stupid that that's the first thing I thought. It just shows how like uncultured I am. But I loved that scene. I found it very relatable. I know that some of my friends perk right up when they have an extra hot sandwich or ice cream. I guess they they serve. Yeah. 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 I was going to say, I wasn't going to say any names, but like Hannah, when she sees noodles and company, like the day. Yeah. The, the one True. thing Horika can afford at uh, McDonald's is chowder. I guess they serve in Japan. Yuck. <laughs> Honestly, there no is very different. Um, when I went to London, like I didn't think the menus were like vastly different, but they did have some things that I was like, huh? And then there was also like all of the, like the fries there do not taste like the fries here. Hmm. Yeah. I don't think they elaborated on that in this movie in particular. But I did like when she made a cute little treat when he's going to visit Hina for the first time and he brings some like simple groceries and she's like, do you mind if I use these? And she makes him like ramen with chips and like egg. And it's just so cute and so simple how their love story kind of starts. Like they're just... These two kids, I mean, they're pretty young. Philip, do you remember their ages? Are they like 18, 17 in this? Uh, Hina is 18. She says she is. Uh, there'll be some minor spoilers, but we, you know, don't want to maybe get too, well, I, we'll, we'll save some major spoilers kind of towards the end. I mean, we won't go too long here, but like the, <laughs> that becomes kind of a major detail where like, um they are in reality basically the same age uh hodaka's 16 Hina says she's 18 so that she doesn't she can like i guess get away with uh raising her younger brother after her mom dies and she's just by herself with her younger brother you know she works at mcdonald's to be able to support them and uh is looking for other work as well that's so relatable. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, like truly. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and like that desperation of Hodaka, thankfully, like he gets this job as a reporter, as kind of an office uh, 
temp <laughs> it was a, a live-in yeah, yeah he's doing like all sorts of things though like he got hired to like essentially write these little news articles but then he's like doing the laundry and picking up her bra and like all these other little side chores too and I mean I don't really know how much money he was making they said it in yen I think but yeah. they're it, they're inferring that it's not very much money that he's making doing this job which makes sense that he would rather start a career controlling the weather yeah very resourceful of him um so he he partners up with Hina and Nagi as well and then they go around and make a bunch of money and and like it works you know she has this real connection to the weather um she's able to make the sunshine pretty much wherever she goes I'm confused. Why did they choose to stop? Is it because it got too popular? I understand that it started to drain her energies and kind of like switch her out into water. But like after that big booking, was it because they were getting too busy that they stopped? Or was yeah. she feeling sick? Like, I don't know if I just didn't quite understand why they stopped doing it, but it must have been because she was getting sick, right? I think so. I, it was it wasn't before or it wasn't until later on that they discovered there's a major issue i think they n knew that like it wasn't good to just keep pushing and pushing um even if at first it didn't seem away. like yeah well well there was i think a moment where the sun came out and it the, the rain had sort of stopped for the most part right right um, yeah the weather had cleared up so so they just weren't booking um at that time they took they took a break but then like once like the power starts to really take its toll the rain comes back um and then uh major spoilers don't uh, don't listen past this point if you haven't seen it. but uh <laughs> She, she ultimately disappears and, and then the sun does return. It doesn't seem like this rain is going to be, you know, any more dramatic than what we've seen to this point. Philip, not to um, change the topic, but what did you think about um, the music and how that kind of played into the story? I, I like love the, the music. Yeah. It really sets a tone. This is another basically a album released in conjunction with the film by the indie rock band Radwimps. Um, I didn't even know that. I just like very much noticed the music. Yeah. Do you call this J-pop? Like, is this kind of like K-pop, the soundtrack that we're hearing here? Yeah, technically, it, it, you know, it's Japanese. I don't know what you pop. call it. Yeah, is it? Mm -hmm. But it is sort of like, you know, my brother and I talked about this last episode. It it uh, it is reminiscent of a lot of sort of early two thousands emo rock. You know, alt alt rock. Um, I don't know, like My Chemical Romance or um, Sure Yellow Card, uh, <laughs> Green Day kind of fell into this. You know, the American Idiot sound, um, The Killers maybe. Um, so. It's it's not as poppy, although some of the songs here, I think, venture closer into like you know, modern pop. Mm -hmm. 
than than maybe they did in the last film. I felt like in some of the scenes, the music was like a little overbearing. Like I think, I think at just like certain points, like I do think it was well written and it fit the style of the film very well. I just think like there was a lot going on. Like it was a little overwhelming. Hmm. Um, in like some, I can see that. Like I think. Oh, nope. Go ahead. I was gonna say sometimes I wonder if that's just like I didn't realize that this movie wasn't originally written in English because again I'm stupid but Philip Mm -hmm. said that he watched it originally you know in Japanese with the subtitles so sometimes I wonder when that music kind of feels distracting is it because there is a language change and there's something not like lost in translation but just like a little like a hiccup when you're translating like a soundtrack and a script and like all the audio. Sometimes I think maybe- that makes sense that it would yeah. be like cohesive because like I think the language isn't meant to mean the same, you know, like in, in certain- Or sound languages. exactly the same. Yeah, they don't sound the same. So phonetically and kind of with the flow, it's less cohesive. Mm. Um, I just thought like overall, I think the music was very well written. That's not like a type of music that I specialize in by any means, but just like as a listener, I felt like the music was very well written and that could be a really successful CD or a soundtrack. But I think in context with the movie, sometimes it just felt like this is going on and this is going on and this is going on. And then here comes like a song and I'm like, oh, whoa. And mm-hmm. as someone that's in a lot of music, <laughs> it takes me a second to get overwhelmed. And mainly I was like distracted by like raindrops and lights. And then all of a sudden, like, here we go, like ramp up for the music. And I was just like, whoa. But <laughs> I thought it was all of the aspects were well done. It was just sometimes a little overwhelming when they're all happening at once. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's like a pop soundtrack, except all the music is done by the same artist. They bring in a female vocalist uh, for the songs in this film. Uh, the song at the end is a male vocalist. And I, I think that was in English, in the English version here. Uh, but um, during the film, it's all Japanese. Uh, in your name, they changed some of the songs to English in the English version. Um, but I, I, I feel like it works just as well, Japanese. Yeah, I, I could see the music being a little bit overwhelming. Um, Very like randomly and like mm-hmm. not often, just like every occasion. Mm-hmm. The, the music is reminiscent of like rain in mm-hmm. certain moments. Yeah sort of the plunking piano and so which moments. is super cool and from like a musical standpoint like that is so artistic and mm-hmm. so like it seems like the composer was very enveloped in the story that's being told and they're telling that through like the piano plunks and all of these different mm-hmm. things um it just seemed like sometimes not always yeah, I'm I'm fairly partial to this genre of music as well. So mm-hmm. um, it just yeah, and it's not a genre that I'm like used to. The closest thing I think I've like heard is when like BTS is on the radio. Like this is definitely out of my realm. Okay. Um, and I also I watched the trailer. The trailer seemed more action style than the music or than the okay. full length film was to me. Um, but I watched the trailer in Japanese. 
and then I watched the movie with like the English like dub okay yeah yeah I'm not very familiar with k-pop and j-pop in general um you need to get our friend Lauren on here. <laughs> we have a friend, Lauren, who's all about K-pop. She's super into that music, super into that genre. And I will say that watching this movie, I was like, huh, like maybe I should give it a second listen. Because when the credits started rolling, I was kind of bobbing my head to the, to the jams that mm. were coming out. <laughs> I liked it. It's so good. Uh, and, and I guess one of my issues with like, k-pop or j-pop is it is just so polished and very corporate very you know i don't know i i was never a big fan of the boy band aesthetic from the late 90s um i i like for one thing heavier sounding music definitely noticeable like rock drums and guitars um which a lot of k-pop and j-pop does have but if it's just too synthy too dan too um i don't know too much R&B influence, you know, I, I just don't get on board quite as easily. It's almost hard now because every um, genre of music seems to have such a large impact on different um, like parts of the world and different generations. It's interesting the overlap that you see in the musical styles now. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, you know, pop and rock have always been similar, but now they're so intertwined that it's like, wait, what am I listening to? Like that musical style. We, t- um, we, <laughs> I took a um, style. Um, it was called like, well, I don't know, it's a mm-hmm. world music class. So we learned about different sure. types of music all around the world and how they impacted different things. Um, and it would be interesting to kind of find the, the roots of this exact genre. Also, Philip, like I'm ready to like talk about like um one more thing. If you're <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I I enjoy uh, talking about music and and listening to podcasts about like music theory and things. Uh, yeah. Reading up on it, but yeah, it's it is such a complex thing that doesn't have a lot of real concrete rules. Yeah, I mean pop music. I mean it, you rock used to be the pop music of its time you know so it's always now nowadays it's more hip-hop that's pop you know or uh, you know rap or r&b you know right it's it's, like generationally kind of impacted by another style yeah um i I like how this is is a bit heavier than maybe some other pop that's popular nowadays but like um i don't know I, i just find it particularly beautiful but we let's move on to uh what you wanted to say so mainly mine's kind of like a question Mm -hmm. i don't like i had trouble figuring out where she got her powers from like did i miss that or is that never explained because i feel like there's no telling where these powers come from and it's kind of the only thing to me that creates this like surreal imbalance in the film which for some odd reason seems like it belongs that way Mm -hmm. um so good on the writer's part um I just am a little like where what is going on (laughs) (laughs) Philip and I when we first started talking about this depending on what he pulls into the episode it's when she's losing her mother at the beginning of it she sort of prays and like finds harmony uh And I think like that's where you're supposed to see that she's getting this ability. 
I mean, Philip might know a little bit more than that, but I, I think that's kind of the the genesis of her finding this spectacular gift is she's she's praying, right, Philip? Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's the whimsy that makes these movies really, you know, pop. Um, it's it's those fantasy moments of just like tingly, mystical uh vibes and and it's, yeah it's from basically powers from god or powers you know the spirits are i uh, totally in- like did not get that like <laughs> i totally <laughs> missed it in my head i was like okay there's two types of magic that i'm thinking of either she's like born with it like elsa or she's like a ninja turtle and which one is it and that's like how i judge what's going on so i guess there's a third that i had no clue I, I think the movie is saying that she is someone who is pure of heart. Um, she's mm-hmm. taking care of her younger sibling, uh, her parent. You know, she's victim to circumstances beyond her control. So it's just a way of kind of karma repaying her. Um, Can know, her we trouble. revisit something then as we talk about her like purity or whatever? Because I'm someone who doesn't think like sex work is wrong, but there is a scene where she like I mean like whatever sex work is work like I'll be like a feminist about it but there is like a scene where Hina like looks like she's involved in some type of like escort or prostitution thing and this might be like me over reading into it but isn't there a scene where he kind of like discovers her as as part of that um community well that I'm guessing it's just her getting involved with this club owner or club promoter and i guess it's unclear you know what what capacity she'll be working in at this yeah, club true. you know she could just be like a, a waitress or a hostess or something you know yeah they're probably just trying to like set it up like showing that they're both kind of coming from these backgrounds that don't make sense for them as individuals so that they have like extra uh passion to find each other and kind of like be meant to be a couple do you know what i mean like they're both sort Mm -hmm. of escaping their Mm -hmm. potential reality within each other Mm -hmm. that club uh might be a bit of a dive considering the gun (laughs) that hodica finds in the trash can right outside its entrance so maybe that's a clue as to like that there is some some raunchy stuff that does go down at this club, um, and then yeah, that gun comes into play. Literal Chekhov's gun <laughs> in this film. Yeah, he didn't look very confident with the gun. Like you could tell he wasn't ready to kill someone, but when he did shoot it at all, like I was pretty shocked. I was pretty proud of him because I didn't. I thought that the guy was gonna bully him so much that like he just dropped the gun. So when it was fired, I was like, "Oh, there you go. Hmm. There right. you go." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you feel the impact. Um, he uh, finds himself in some perilous situations, uh, including at the end, like facing off against the investigator character. I, I think that's part of like how you come to understand like his parents are wealthy. They, they hired a private investigator essentially to go search for him. 
then yeah the, thankfully you know it's just a race against the clock scenario after hina vanishes uh, we, you know he thinks that the way to potentially bring her back is to visit the shrine where she first obtained her powers uh, and cross the gate that's uh, erected on that rooftop and uh when he does it you know <laughs> thank goodness he he finds her i don't know what did you think of this this moment i mean i thought it was romantic i like that the movie kind of progressed in time i know that a couple years have passed am i correct on that um and uh, he's still yeah i, I don't think I it's wrong? years I, I think it might be months okay months so, so a, a period of time has passed mm -hmm. so like the whole like little crush you know can kind of be excused like he's actually feeling like true feelings for her and when he, they're reunited like you can't help but feel warm inside i i like that scene a lot it's probably one of my favorites oh yeah uh, so so surreal, so just emotional. Um, the the two of them bonding from the their business venture together, all the way to like there's that um, you know birth moment of him prepping prepping for her birthday, wanting to know what to give her, um, and you think he's gonna kind of blow it. Um, when they're returning home, uh, I think from that little get together in the park, um, and he's he's going to give present her the ring, but that's the moment when she shows him, you know that that this power has taken a serious toll. So, I it kind of, you know, it's almost a relief to him in some ways, but at the same time, you know, nothing could be more terrible than seeing that she is suffering um as severely as she is um and you have the moment yeah, she's that... sort of turning into water right <laughs> yeah. is that sort of what's supposed to be happening to her she's sort of melt melting or like dissolving yeah yep exactly she's uh she's losing her physical form um and then there there is this bout of severe weather that comes back uh and it even starts snowing you got the three uh, kids um because they they can't return to hina's apartment because child protective services uh have found are on to them so hina nagi and hodaka you know th thankfully they're able to find um they, they even get like turned away by uh kisuka I guess because his place is being surveilled. Um, but they eventually do find a hotel that's willing to take them in. It's like, it's snowing outside. So you're kind of a prick if you're <laughs> turning away, you know, a 16 year old or whatever. And money is money. Like if someone's willing to pay for a hotel room, like just take it. Like, I thought that, that was really annoying that they're like, how old are you? It's like, I'd be like, no, I'll take your money, honey. Yeah. Um, I thought that was just such a fun scene. The them like having the little box dinners from the hotel room. I just like I I want to stay at this hotel, even though it is a little bit sketchy. 
Um, but that's the last moment of like really having quality time together as a trio. Um, and, and the perfect opportunity for uh, Hodaka to present the ring to Hina because like they're, they're on like a very level playing field at this point. A ring is a pretty like intimate choice of a gift. Like I love it and it's very sweet. And like he took the time to pick it out. Mm-hmm. But Hannah, like if a guy friend, cause I don't even think they're technically dating at this no. point. Like, but if a guy friend was like, here's a ring, madame. Like wouldn't you be like, whoa. <laughs> Maybe it's different in Japan. Like maybe a ring doesn't signify like engagement, but it seems a bit like much. I would assume I've gotten like a promise ring from like a boyfriend, but I've never gotten like a random ring from like a random friend. So like that's kind of weird to me. Um, but I guess to some people they're irrelevant here anyways. So <laughs> just kidding. Um uh. <laughs> it's kind of an odd friend gift. Like yes. It is an odd friend gift. It's an odd friend gift for sure. But it's sweet because like they do that whole scene where he's like picking it out. And again, it's with these like anime boys. Yeah, it seems very engagement. Yes, yes. He's very like in love with her. But if she like loves him, it's like, dang, she like just cut herself out so much work of having to get this guy like the whole like, oh my gosh, does he like me? Like yeah, that she doesn't like, need, like yeah yeah she saved she doesn't like, need to know time. like do I wait ten minutes before I text him back or should I just do it now I was just gonna say she's like she doesn't even have to make like an Instagram account like she's good to go like she's good wow. <laughs> she does, she doesn't need to know like whose pics is he liking today like is it me <laughs> yeah it's it's a dicey scenario but yeah it's it's like his you know asking her out it just involves this birthday present that he thought of for her honestly that's quite the ask yeah it's cute but a bit much uh she they don't get too much more time together unfortunately but yeah so philip like what did you love about it like what made this movie stand out to you as like one of your like quote-unquote favorites i know you have a lot of favorite movies for a lot of different things but i feel like hannah and i talked about what we liked but like what stood out the most to you I know you liked everything, but what it's, was it that made it a favorite? Um, just that emotional build. The scrappy character, he's a prodigal son moving to Japan. He's, we've got nothing. Uh, he, he's leaving his life of luxury behind. Uh, and then this girl who's basically like one of the girls from my neighbor Totoro, <laughs> who's uh, you know, starting off with a sick parent and then has these supernatural events befall her. Uh, she has a younger sibling um, in, yeah, I mean, that's kind of a, you know, that cheap Disney, you know, Mufasa dying style hook, uh, but it's, it's effective. Mufasa. It's effective here. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, you know, Bambi's mother type of situation, but, um, and it's just such a quintessential modern fairy tale uh, these these two youth characters who are just figuring things out, having to grow up really fast. There's a mentor character, Kay, uh, who, uh, and then then also Natsumi as well, who, you know, take Hakoda under their wing. And and Kay was like uh, a Hodaka, 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 <laughs> when he was younger. And then he started this business, 
on his own. Um, so just like the the poetry, the symmetry of all this, uh, these things happening, and then like the surreal, you know, mystical side of things with the the weather, uh, really kind of is a, is a nice uh, dose of intrigue that this movie introduces it really complements the stunning visuals you know the animation medium in general uh i love the the j-pop soundtrack um you know the never-ending rain it's, it's kind of <laughs> reminds me of coronavirus in a way uh, even though at the time i first because it's this. never ending yeah yeah exactly and like the minnesota cold um and then yeah there's it's, i thought you were, oh Continue, continue. I was going to say, I thought you were just going to like it because like Elsa, she has like this power. <laughs> I was like, maybe Philip really likes it because power. this girl like wields this like fifth spirit type thing. Philip likes because I, as girls that can control the weather. That's the five second answer. It's, it, that is the five second answer. Because as much as I found it romantic, there is a part of me at the end that it's like, by this couple choosing to stay together, are they challenging nature to the extent that Tokyo is left permanently underwater? Like, is that romantic to me? Like, I don't know. It's kind of like when Jack and Rose let everyone drown on the Titanic, oh, no. but they're like still together. Like it, it's sort of yeah. like a, it's, it's romantic, but it's also- Did you watch the same Titanic as me? Like, well, you know, it's like, it's sad, but it's also like, it's like loving, but it's not. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, are they, they're kind of like saying, F you nature, like we're going to be together. And it's like, is that really the happy ending that we want? I, I just can't help but love the boldness of it. Um, I, mm. I've seen this done mm. in other things and I really enjoy it there too, where it's like the love we share might have, dire consequences but screw it we're we're just gonna go for it anyways <laughs> and uh and it's like yeah i i totally understand why you would do such a thing um and and here like it doesn't uh, you know it's rain you know the, you can't fault this couple you know uh for for the things that happen due to nature ultimately and it is explained that like this isn't something that is too beyond the realm of you know purely the natural world reclaiming uh, a ter an area that was once submerged anyways um so uh it, it doesn't make i i certainly feel no guilt for for loving it as much as i do <laughs> Hannah, did you did you like the ending or did you think they were a little selfish? I genuinely don't care what you decide. I thought it was a little selfish. Philip thought it was cool. Like you're the tiebreaker tonight. <laughs> um I think that it was kind of like a mesmerizing like film overall. And I think I liked all the characters essentially in the film. Honestly, I didn't think of it in like a selfish way. Like that didn't really cross my mind. Oh. Um, I thought of it more as like this kind of like teen angsty-ish like love story that was put through like very great, like honestly, this animation so good, like artwork. Like it was told 
It's honestly like you painted a painting and like told the story of the painting, kind of like an ode to the musical Sunday in the Park with George. And that is a very high compliment because that painting is like so famous. Um, But I think that it's a very artistic piece. So I guess I wasn't as clued into the fact that like they were being selfish, but kind Mm -hmm. of looking at it, I guess if it's going to affect everyone around them, like maybe not, but would that affect anyone that she falls in love with? So would she never find love in order to protect everyone like the planet yeah I mean I think like you I mean I know Hannah like on the personal level and I know that you'd be happy to sacrifice like love if it meant saving everyone in Tokyo like do you know what I mean so like I think she was okay like making that decision but then seeing him again like triggered her to be like but love you know you know so I I don't know I don't know it's like at one hand, it's like so romantic, right? And you're like, no one can stop us. Like it's us against the world. Like there's always that cliche, like love. Um, I didn't really honestly pick up on the fact that it would be destroyed if they were in love, which might just be, be like not paying attention. I definitely think that this is one of those movies you have to watch more than once to pick up mm-hmm. on everything, mm-hmm. especially with like the language barrier. It was a bit like, wait, what just happened? Like I'm like looking at pretty raindrops and then I'm like sitting here confused, Um, which I do think it was well written. That's like not the fault of the writers. That's my fault as a consumer needing to just like rewatch. And it's a ton to take in. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess I didn't really see it as selfish, but I guess in like discussing it now, like it wouldn't be like my personal decision. And if I was a citizen of Tokyo or (laughs) the world (laughs) that she was destroying like I'd be pretty pissed I'd be like girl like come on um (laughs) but I guess I've also had that feeling you know there's always like the revolving door of like boys that text you so it's like when one comes back you're like hmm and then you remember like "Mm, never mind I think (laughs) there's like a little bit of that hmm feeling (laughs) Well, right, hey, a lot. If this world world where you could, you know, blame mediums for the bad things that happen, uh, <laughs> then you know you'd have a lot of yeah spiritual people who like <laughs> are are used as scapegoats. I feel so. Uh, I think all's well in the end. Uh, things kind of get back to reality and three years later things have sort of settled down um and and there's a return to tokyo uh hodaka you know he's done with school he's off of his probation um and then yeah it's um happily ever after (laughs) basically a bittersweet but um i love a happily ever after i'll take it It was know. definitely like a fantasy type of a love, you know, like a reality and like a fantasy, mm-hmm. not fantasy in like a thick way, fantasy in like a pastel way. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I guess that was Weathering with You, directed by Makoto Shinkai from the year 2019, uh, film from Comics Wave Studios. 
and uh yeah uh thank you guys so much for chatting uh thank everyone listening um any final thoughts from jody i feel like i threw them all in wild style when everyone else was talking so i'm sorry for my interruptions but i will say for a movie that came out in what 2019 19 yeah 2019 like hurry up and get on it because this movie is totally worth the watch uh there's still like gloomy days ahead in the spring thunderstorms like turn this one on and it's inspiring like definitely get that hbo max trial and check it out (laughs) <laughs> just the trial Hannah any any final words <laughs> um I also think it's definitely worth the watch I'll probably watch it again just to make sure that I like I'll watch it again then I'll re-listen to all the things that Philip is saying right now in this podcast and then I'll understand the things that Philip was talking about because he is so much more um he understands Into. this film so much more than I do so I'm excited to watch it again. And I typically watch a movie one time and I'm like, okay, got it. But it made me want to watch it again because I got very distracted by the pretty raindrops. This is one that hits me very hard emotionally. Uh, you know, not all movies really click with me like like this one does. So um, it's it'll be on my uh, repeat list for sure. And especially that song that plays at the climax, the uh, Grand Escape is what it's called. I I just like binging that song on Spotify. It's so good. Um, yeah, I uh, don't have anything more to say, but we'll be back with the Thoughtcast uh, soon and maybe more Asian type stuff with Raya on the horizon. Yeah, definitely Raya Raya and definitely more 2D. I'm happy we were doing this 2D stuff. I love it. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, Any social media plugs, Jody? Uh, Instagram, it's Jody Pulaski, J-O-D-I-P-O-L-A-S-K-Y. Now that the election's over, I'm back on social media. (laughs) Hannah? Um, I'm Hannah Lee Ever After, so hannah with an h at the end lee is l-e-i-g-h and then ever after like fairy tales i'm on instagram and then if you want to see me run my mouth about the election politics that kind of stuff that's more on my twitter and that's just Hannah smart all in word uh pure love all around <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see you can find the thodcast at thodcast.com and uh, various podcasting platforms including apple podcasts soundcloud spotify Stitcher Radio. Um, what did I? What have I mentioned? iTunes. iTunes. Uh, and you find a Thoughtcast at Thoughtcast on Twitter and Instagram. Find me Philip Elke at Philip Elke on Twitter and Instagram. Um, once again, thank you so much. You all have a magical day, a wonderful week, and warm hugs to you all. <laughs> <laughs>